Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see... Good morning, Derek. I love that. That's great. Nice to see your shining, sparkly faces. It's good. Um, once again, I stand up here and the prayer meeting and the worship and the MC have already stolen my message. So um, have a great day, everyone. See you later. No, <laughs> no it's, it's good. I love that because that's God's way of encouraging me and just saying, hey, like he's got such a specific agenda this morning. So um, I think you guys have kind of already like felt that, yeah, God is here and and our band just led us so beautifully. So, hey, you know, these guys, they have guts coming up here. So just encourage them when you get an opportunity to that they, you know, they lead us really well. And I think it's a real privilege that we have such talented, amazing people in our church. So Anyway, um, just to set us up this morning, in case you haven't travelled with us over this series yet, um, our new series is called God Refocused. And we really wanted to focus in on, on God and His nature and His character, especially in this month of December where people's minds, are, uh, well, God is more on the minds of people in this month than any other month, I think, apart from Easter time as well. Um, But what we wanted to do through this series is kind of just tackle some questions that are really common to all of us and maybe some misconceptions that we have picked up along the journey of our Christian lives and and whether we're not a Christian as well. Um, There are misconceptions that we can pick up about God that, um, yeah, that aren't true. And so this morning I want to bring some truth around, um, uh, uh, I guess, a characteristic characteristic of God. Um, So, yeah, sound good? Awesome. All right. I'm glad you guys are on board with me this morning. Cool. So today, the question that I wanted to um, explore with you is that question of, is God really in control? You know, especially, and Nate actually um, said this while he was up up here, that this time of the year is one of those times where you kind of are setting yourself up for the new year, right? Yep, getting some nods around. You're setting yourself up for the new year and with that you're reflecting back on what has gone on in this year. You know, you look back and you think, wow, there are so many highlights, so many amazing moments um, that have really shaped the person I am today. But then there are also times where we look back and we think, that was a really tough year. There were so many trials. There are so many things that were going on. And I don't know if I'm necessarily better for it. Can anyone, anyone kind of relate? Yep. You kind of go through things and you're like, man, this is supposed to help me, right? Um, Anyway, so if, if you're here today and that's a question on your mind, fantastic. I believe that God really wants to speak to you this morning and, and bring his hope and comfort back into your heart but if it's not for you it's probably for the person sitting next to you or maybe for a neighbor or a friend or a family member because each and every one of us we have our own own journey our own things that are going on and there's no cookie cutter way that our life kind of rolls out but there are always things going on so sorry I just lost my spot um but there are things that just happen to us and we start to question has God really got this has God really got all of this under control you know every night well 
not every night, sorry, when we can, we watch the news and it's kind of a bit of a, we want to know what's going on in our world, but then at the same time we don't because it just seems like there's so much horrible stuff that's always being reported on the news and there's catastrophes, there's chaos, there's natural disasters, but then there's things that just people do and it's like, come on, really? Like that's, that's not loving people, is it? And so there's all these things going on and I think right now our world is crying out for people to have the hope of Christ, for people to have some kind of answer to the question, is God really in control? And I believe God has called us as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus Christ, to possess some form of hope, to be able to share it with this world where chaos reigns supreme. And so this morning, I, I want to help us navigate that. I want us to, I guess, uh, be equipped at the end of today to be able to maybe answer or at least relate to people who are going through these situations. You know, for you today, it might be something's going on at work and it's just something you've really unexpected and it's out of your control. And so you think that, oh, if it's out of my control, then maybe it's out of God's control as well because I'm not aware of what he's doing. I have no idea what good is supposed to come out of this. Or maybe it's something a little bit more serious. Maybe it's something a bit more severe. I remember as a 14-year-old girl um, in high school, you know, getting ready for exams and stuff like that. And my nan actually passed away in that year. And I just remember thinking, God, this wasn't supposed to happen like this. The thing is, she was sick for quite a long time. And she was an incredible woman because she had this crazy messed up back. She was blind, almost 100% blind. And yet she was such an amazing woman but then she became sick as well and was sick for quite some time. And I remember saying as a 14-year-old to my grandma, saying that, Grandma, you have to be okay because when I get my license, I want you to be the first person in my car. I want, I want you to be that person that I take for my first drive. But then as a 14-year-old, seeing my nan just uh, decrease in energy and, and just kind of become bedridden and, and needing hospital help, I just thought, God, this is not how it was supposed to happen. This, this is really out of my control, but God, are you even in control? This was not supposed to be played out this way. And so this morning, wherever you are at, God wants to encourage you this morning that he is in control. He's got this. He's got our situation in hand. So... I want us to um, actually maybe don't turn to your Bibles because the story of Joseph, this is the guy we're going to study this morning, his story is quite a long one. It goes over a lot of Genesis, many chapters. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, there was this man named Joseph, um, and he, he was a son of 12 sons um, to Jacob, and I actually just forgot the wife's name, Jacob and... Yeah, off the top of my head. Um, but so he, he grew up being the favoured son because what happened was the parents were quite old and they actually had him in their older ages. And so he was a bit of a miracle child. So he quickly became the favoured son. And of course, 11 other brothers, that's a lot of competition. But as well, if you go around saying, hey, I'm the favourite son and flaunting it, you know that you're in trouble. You've got 11 older brothers who will probably want to beat on you. And so if I was him, I wouldn't have flaunted it. But Joseph did. He was a silly boy. And so um, he that's what he did. And so he... Um, uh, soon he, he was 
pretty much hated by his own brothers. And so they plotted against him. And what they actually did was, first of all, they wanted to kill him. They actually wanted to take him out completely. But then one of his older brothers, he, he had a bit of compassion and, and was probably like, come on, like that's a bit drastic. Why not instead let's um, uh, leave him in this pit? And as they left him in this pit, this, these people came by and they actually sold their brother into slavery. And not into slavery in their land, but in a foreign land. So Joseph goes from uh, living up in, his, in that household, being loved and just probably doted on at any of opportunity, to being sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood into this foreign land. Bit of a roller coaster so far, right? That's, that's a bit nuts. And all of this happened at the age of 17. Can you imagine being a 17-year-old, loved one moment and sheltered and treasured to being sold, sold as a slave. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty drastic. But then life takes a turn for the best, I guess you could say, in that situation where he is sold into slavery, but the person who is actually his master, who becomes his master, is an official to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, he was in Egypt. Pharaoh would have been like the king of Egypt. Um, and so he's actually sold into slavery, but into a pretty cush, pretty good situation. And so Joseph manages to win the favor of his master. And instead of being a slave, he is promoted to um, this position of authority where, um, so his name's Potiphar, his master's name is Potiphar. Potiphar actually puts Joseph in charge of his household. And it says in the Bible that the only thing that Potiphar um, was concerned about was the food that he ate. So literally Joseph took control of everything else. He was, he was given that much authority. Pretty cool, right? So going from being sold to be given so much authority. But then along comes Mrs. Potiphar and she um, plays cougar and she basically lures this kid and, and, he, and she tries to basically have an affair, um, have, you know, be in adultery. But Joseph, being the man that he is, the man after God's own heart, he, he's like, no, I can't do this. And so he flees from temptation, which is what you're supposed to do, right, everyone? Um, so he flees from that situation, but she twists the whole scenario to make Joseph look like he was the one who was trying to have an affair with her. And so from this position of authority, of having control over Potiphar's household, he is is then heavily demoted. In fact, he's thrown into prison. Can you imagine? A bit older than 17 now, but completely innocent and being imprisoned. Not fair. Definitely. I would be questioning God. Do you have this under control? And so there was Joseph. So this morning, I don't know whether like you've been in prison or you have been enslaved and maybe it's not that drastic what's going on in your life, but this is something that's normal for every human being to actually go through situations and question, God, are you in control? Because life has just thrown so many unexpected things my way and I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're in control anymore. Those doubts are so, so human. But the amazing, in incredible actually thing is that at the end, well, towards the end of the account of Joseph in the Bible, he makes this makes this really inspirational statement, and I'll read it to you. He's actually now standing with his brothers, who, remember, sold him into slavery, who started this whole circus of a life. He's standing before them, and he says this to them. 
you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, the thing, what happened was after his imprisonment, after he was cheated and falsely accused, after his, that time in prison, what happened was that through a series of miraculous events, really, Joseph was promoted to an even higher position of authority than looking after Potiphar's house. He, in fact, was connected with Pharaoh, the king, the ruler, the master of Egypt. He was connected with him. And what he did actually saved Egypt from seven years of severe famine. Joseph was the one who was promoted to a level where he got to call the shots for Egypt and told Pharaoh, look, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to strategize. This is how Egypt and your people are going to survive. If you just listen to me, it's all going to work out fine. So he went from being in prison to calling the shots and basically ruling over this nation, Egypt. And for many of us, we think... Man, okay, my situation, I haven't been in prison, I haven't been enslaved, but I can't really see my situation getting better at all. But you know what, Joseph, if that could happen for Joseph, how much more could that happen in our life? And so this morning, I really want us to explore how Joseph was able to go from a place where he was falsely accused, where he was the victim, to a place of victory, where he was given authority, where he was able to rule and and live out the call that God had for him. So this is one of the key scriptures that I wanted to pull out with you this morning. It's found in Romans 8, 28. So if you're taking notes, write down Romans 8, 28. It says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The thing is, I think for Joseph, this didn't always look like the case, that God was working out something good for his situation because it was a roller coaster. It was up, down. It was, God, what are you doing? But I think Joseph actually believes this about God, about his character, about his nature, that his word is true. And so when God says that he was working everything for his good because he loves him, I believe that, that Joseph actually held on to that. He believed that whatever situation he found himself in, that God could take it, he could make it, he could create something where he was better for it. And I think that's an amazing perspective for us to have, especially when we're going through those trials. Joseph believed that God could take his situation and make it good. He could make it useful again. If you read the account of Joseph's life, you actually notice that he has a lot of standout gifts. Like we've all been given gifts and skills and things like that. Um, but if you read the story of Joseph, there are a few key things. And what I would actually boil down his down the gift that he has. Two, it would be the gift of wisdom. You see, when Joseph was um, sold into slavery, when he was um, imprisoned, he used this gift of wisdom and it, it expressed itself in that strategizing. He talked to Pharaoh about a strategy and he also interpreted dreams while he was in um, prison. And that's actually what helped him get out of that situation. And so I wonder how many times for my life when I go through a trial, I actually tend to withdraw from God. Anyone can kind of 
relate to that, yeah? You have a bit of that kind of response because you're, you're doubting whether God is in control. So why, why partner with someone who's not in control? Why partner with someone who is no better off than I am? But what we can learn from Joseph's story is that Joseph continued to partner. He looked at himself in the prison. He looked at himself as a slave and he was like, you know what? God has given me gifts. God has given me arms, legs, a heartbeat. I still have breath in my lungs. There is something I can still do. And so he continued to do what he knew to do. And so this morning, if you're in a situation, continue to do what you're doing. Continue. Don't withdraw. Don't stop your partnering with God because the thing is God can use our gifts. God can use our skills and whatever we're doing to help us get out of our situations. But you know what? I don't think it was Joseph using his gifts, using his smarts, using his skills alone. I think there was something much more bigger at work behind Joseph. Because the thing is, after a period of time, Joseph did get out of slavery. He did get out of imprisonment. And I don't think any of us would be smart enough to be able to get ourselves out of those situations alone and and the situations that we find ourselves in on a day-to-day basis. Romans 8.28 is actually a picture of God's providence. And so this is what I mean by I think something was that was much bigger than Joseph was behind him all of this time. And for me... Providence was probably one of those words that have been thrown around the Christian circle quite a bit. You know, we, we, it's kind of almost like the God bless you type thing. It's, we, we talk about the word providence and, and use it as a bit of a throwaway word um, to comfort people. Like, you know, God's providence, it's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to actually look into the word providence because, because of what I was seeing in this scripture. And Providence is actually defined as the protective care of God. Don't you just love that? The protective care of God. How deep and how rich that that word providence actually is. It can also be defined as timely preparation for future eventualities. You see, this bigger thing that was at work in Joseph's life, I believe, wasn't just his gifts that God had given him, but I believe it was God's providence that was right behind him. It was God's care. It was God's preparation of him for future eventualities. This picture that um, I kind of chose to have uh, really, for me, gives yeah, gives me a good picture of what the provident, word providence can actually be. Because so often when we take in medicine, if we're sick, we take in medicine, we don't exactly know how that medicine operates, but we know that it's in us and it's, it's according to our surgeon's prescription or physician's prescription, it is working and it is doing what is good for us, the patient. And so the word providence, God's protective care is so much like that. He is working in our situations of difficulty. Just as medicine comes in silently, but it does its work, God is actually at work. When he talks about working things out for our good, he is at work behind the scenes silently working things out for our good, although it surpasses our understanding and, and, our, um, and our knowledge. We don't know what's going on, but it, he is at work and it's all there. And so in between Joseph's time as a slave and his imprisonment and right from really when he was born, you could see that God's providence was at work. God was using these situations to prepare him for future events and happenings. So I want to reflect to you today again, 
What are some things that you're currently going through? If you have a quick think, what are some things you might not be enjoying them? They might be the opposite of what you even expected or, or the opposite of what you think it, life should be like as a Christian. But no, take, take a moment to actually reflect and see how God could use those situations for your good and how His providence is at work in your life. You know, we've talked about... I guess, ourselves and our lives a lot this morning. And as I was reading Romans 8.28, I kind of started to think, God, this this scripture is a little bit limiting. I don't know if the word limiting is right because God's word isn't limiting, but but I kind of just got the sense. I'm like, God, this scripture is all about me. You're talking about working things for my good because you love me. It's all about me, 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 me. And although that's amazing, although that's, that's really welcome, like I welcome that Lord Um, and I think we all do at really hard times in our life the thing is I don't know it just didn't sit right and I believe it's because God's love when it touches our lives when we experience the love of God and the salvation of Jesus is because it's not supposed to just finish with us it's not supposed to just sit right there um, and and be stopped where we're at but God's love is so big that it can't be contained that we must share it with people that we must show people that we must talk about it and so reading the scripture I was like God there's got to be more to this than just little old me And so I looked further um, into the wording of this scripture and there's another way that this scripture can actually be read. And so if you listen carefully, you'll notice the difference. So this is also what it says. And we know that in all things, God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good with those who have been called according to his purpose. Did you catch the difference there? Instead of working all things for the good of those who love him, it's God works together with those who love him to bring about good. There's a difference there. And so this really encouraged me because it gave me that bigger, bigger vision to know that what I'm going through, yes, God is working for my good, but he's actually working it for my good so the good can come through my life and the good can enter this world that is dark, that is chaotic, that's out of control. He wants that good that he's working my life to come through me. A scholar, as I was studying this, a scholar puts it in this way. God is weaning us off the world and fitting us for his kingdom. But the thing is, he wants us to bring with us to heaven as many people as possible. And that's what it means by the good that he's working in us because he wants to get it through us. And that's all well and good. I think we hear a lot of messages where it's like, God is for us. Who can be against us? He's working all things for our good and he wants us to be effective in the world and to bring his light and his love wherever we go. That is all awesome, well and good and I love living my Christian walk like that. But the thing is, there are some situations we find ourselves in where there is no comeback, where there is no breakthrough. And what do we do in those situations? What happens when... Things go south and they actually stay south. Do we stop thinking God's in control? Do we stop thinking that God is no longer working things for my good or for the good around us or the people that we hear this going on for? Are we thinking, okay, God's left them. God's completely not in control anymore. Is that what we start to think? I want to 
just show us, I guess, a bit about this other man that we find in the Bible. His, Jesus actually calls him the greatest to be born of women. That's a pretty amazing title to have, right? Like this is the greatest person who has ever been born here on earth. Um, and we know him as John the Baptist. Everyone kind of a bit familiar? Yep, John the Baptist. So basically John the Baptist, he preached and proclaimed Jesus as the coming Messiah. Up until John the Baptist, there were all these scriptures and all these, um, these yeah, just scriptures about how Jesus was to come and and John actually predicted his coming before um, Jesus came. So that, that's who he was. He was a prophet. Um, but do you know, um, John, being the greatest born of women, do you know how he left the earth? Do you know what happened in his final moments? John, the Baptist, prophet, proclaimer of the good news of Jesus, he was imprisoned and then he was beheaded. He didn't make a comeback like Joseph. He didn't have this amazing thing where he got out of prison and, and, you know, lived the rest of his life and ruled like Joseph did in Egypt. That wasn't what happened. And so for John, we can definitely understand that there were doubts. There were moments where he... He questioned, God, are you actually in control? I can imagine him being in that prison. And in fact, the Bible talks about when John was in prison, how those doubts came in. In Matthew 11, verse 2 to 6, it talks about what John did when he had those doubts. He said, He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Reading that, I, I used to think, John, how could you ask that? Like, all this great stuff that's going on. But then having travelled through a few hardships, I think, no, no, I would have just been like John. I would have been sitting there in this prison and being like, how could this kind of stuff happen to me? How can I, this person who's been working for Jesus, I was working for the man, I, I was preparing a way for him to come so that people would receive his news and his gospel better, and then I end up here in jail. I end up here in prison and it was a false imprisonment. And God knows what is going to happen now from here on out. I would have seriously been doubting as well. But then Jesus replies to the messengers. They, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The thing here is that the good, the good that God was working in John's situation wasn't the same good that he was working in Joseph's situation. Sometimes we find ourselves in physical trouble and, and the good that God works in that situation is that he removes us from those places. He gets us out of that trouble. But for John, this wasn't the good that God was, was bringing into his situation. You see, the good that God was bringing into, into John's situation was actually to strengthen his faith. What God wanted to bring in before those moments where John was going to die, God wanted to make sure that John's, John's faith in Jesus was 
solid. It was cemented because then he could pass into eternity with God himself. And so I can imagine Jesus through writing this letter, he's encouraging John one last time, giving it one good go and saying, John, I am who you've proclaimed me to be. I am who you say I am. Don't give up faith. Don't give up hope because you're in prison, because you're in this circumstance that you don't understand, that was unexpected, that wasn't in your plans. Don't lose faith. I am who I say I am. Don't lose faith. And this morning, you might be in a situation that's very similar. Maybe you're not in a physical prison, but you're certainly in an emotional prison, in a mental prison. In prison. Or maybe you're in a situation that you just can't see any re- resolution coming to. Maybe the good that God's trying to work in your situation isn't actually to get you physically out, but He's wanting to set you free on the inside. Maybe He's wanting to strengthen your faith so that you can believe and you can declare to your situation that you're not a prisoner of your situation, you're not a victim of your situation, but you are free in Christ Jesus. Maybe that's the good that God wants to, to bring about in your life. It's the strengthening of your faith. And the thing is, faith is something we can't see. It's something we can't really tangibly feel or sometimes even express, but it's it's believing that God, a God who is invisible, is who He says He is and is able to work good into our situation. That's what faith is. And sometimes it's difficult to have that, but faith is what pleases God. And so in every situation we find ourselves in, God wants to work it out. The, the Bible gives us its imagery of God actually making things out of the mess in our life. He's actually, he's, he's twisting things, he's changing things. If He's kind of mending things and putting things back to better. To better. And he's, he's working things out so that our faith is strengthened in every single scenario. So this morning, if you find yourself in a place that's tough, maybe look at how God can be strengthening your faith, how he can be turning your situation, maybe not changing it so much physically, but on the inside, you're growing stronger. On the inside, your faith is being enlarged to to see God, to be able to be in relationship with him. So if I can just have the band up this morning to help me out, that'd be awesome. So this morning, you might be here, and, and I certainly thought this when coming into a relationship with God, into Christianity, that me giving control over my life to God, it didn't necessarily mean that bad things would happen to me, but it meant that God would always get me out of those bad things. It meant that whatever trouble I face, He'd be kind of like my superhero, kind of like, you know, my dad that kind of gets me out of of trouble and out of difficult, hard spots. But the thing is, God is interested in our maturity and Pastor Nate touched on that last week, our maturity, the growing of our faith. And so this morning, I feel like He wants to come and He wants to create correct some mindsets where we thought He'd just be the Superman that kind of bails us out of situations, but instead He wants to come and He wants to strengthen our faith for those future eventualities. If we crash and burn now in our faith, then there's no hope for the future. But if we can see every opportunity for God to strengthen our faith, then we will be fine. 
then we will have the faith to wade through any storm that we face in our life. The thing is for us to have faith in God, for us to actually have this relationship where God's providence is working for us, where His supernatural power is behind us in these situations. We need to have faith. But to have faith, we need to know who or what we are putting our faith in, what, what that trust, how we can anchor that belief and that trust in. And this morning, that person is God. And, and I wanna invite you to know God for yourself personally, because without it, we have no hope. And that's the thing, that's why our world is so chaotic. That's why there's so much evil and so much darkness that goes on in our world. It's because people haven't met their Saviour yet. People haven't met this God who is working everything out for the good of those who love Him. So this morning, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I wanna invite you to do that. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person, person sitting to your left, sitting to your right, we have all sinned and we all don't match up. But the thing is, the wages of those sin was death and Jesus died on the cross in our, in our place. He paid that price that needed to be paid so that we could receive that gift of eternal life, that gift from God. And all it takes, the Bible is very clear about this and it's wonderful because I love it, it's simple. But all God requires of us, He doesn't require of us to be perfect or to have no doubts or questions at all. But all it takes is that we believe in our heart that Jesus is who He says He is, that He died on the cross for our sin and He was raised again. And so this morning with every head bowed and eye closed, I wanna ask you this question. It's the most important, valuable question I could ever ask you. Do you wanna invite Jesus into your heart this morning? Do you wanna commit your life to Christ, knowing that eternal life is waiting for you, knowing that God's providence is here to help you all throughout your life? So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand just to let me know that you wanna invite Christ in this morning. And then we're gonna pray. We're gonna actually make that confession together. On the count of three, one, two, three. Awesome. Cool. Saw that hand, that's great. Fantastic, all right. Come on, let's pray together. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I believe that you died for me and rose again for my sin. And I confess to you, I confess that you are my Lord and Saviour. Live in me and through me, I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.